Fun School is in session on Amigos, episode 316. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about fun school. Aaron, how fun was school for you? It was more fun than it is now, Boat. I can tell you that. Uh, I hated school, actually. Uh, from the time I got to sixth grade until about my 11th grade, I despised school. I'm not a morning person, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I know mm-hmm. I've developed, and they beat me down. Society beat me down until I had to be one. But I, even as a kid, I just never liked to get up early. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I've always wondered if getting up early actually diminishes test scores and beats these kids down. It just never seemed right. I always think they should have school start about 10 o'clock. Yeah. Get the kids time to get some sleep. Uh, but uh, I, I wasn't the biggest fan, Boat, and I carried that uh, hatred of school into college, which I also hated. So uh, I'm not a big fan. What about you? You have to work in a school, so you've yeah. got to love it. Well, you know, the only place that I enjoyed at school was the band room. And mm. so I said to myself, what can I do to where I can get a job where I just hang out in the band room all day? I'll tell you this, Aaron. There's a limited number of jobs available. <laughs> Tuba polisher, <laughs> spit valve cleanup crew. Band director. That's all you and, got. But even now, when I have to leave the friendly confines of the band room and go down one of the main halls where all the real classes are, it's no good. I get that same feeling in the pit of my stomach. <laughs> I'm still not sure where some of the class. I've been at the school nine years. I still there's still teachers I don't know. Um, are, are, do the other teachers from more popular subjects smack you around and badmouth you? There is a little bit of lockers? bullying that goes on. Yeah, I get shoved in a locker. You know how it goes when you're a band guy. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that that tradition carries on throughout the, the ranks of the professionals as well. So um, I was glad that there were no hallways in fun school on the Amiga. Let me ask you a question, Boat. Since you, you have taught abroad yes. or two, but yes. you've also taught from all over the world. Yes. So I guess my question is, how is band proceed her band members proceed in other countries? Are they treated with more respect than the dignity they deserve for their incredible talent? Do they even have band programs for that matter? Band doesn't exist in many parts of the world. Um, it definitely doesn't exist as a class during the day. Uh, mm. Band is more akin to an extracurricular activity, maybe like a football team in other I countries. Think. And so um, we're very lucky. And by we, I mean me, because I'd be out of work. Uh, I'm, I'm very lucky that we have band as a subject in, in, in this country. Um, you know, uh, I've got a foreign exchange student here. And, uh, and she, in high school, uh, they have no electives at all. Uh, there's no art class. There's no, uh, you know, she's taking yearbook right now. There's definitely no yearbook. There's no music. It's basically just like all of your, you know, core subjects plus whatever you think you want to be when you grow up. And so she's taken like geopolitics and all and socioeconomic, blah, blah, blah. Uh, French school is a lot different than American school, it turns out. Who knew? Yeah. You know, let me ask you, uh, boy, this is an awful serious conversation for us, but I am intrigued by this conversation. So I got to ask. The fact that band, yearbook, all this other goofy stuff is actually hard baked into our curriculum. Is that, and, and while these other schools may cram more actual factual knowledge into your head and use this stuff as an ex- after school activity, are we on the wrong path here or are we doing the right thing? But what do you think? I think we're on the, I think we're doing the right thing. I think a broad education where you're exposed to many different types of subjects and interests is by and large a good thing. However, 
that said, you've been to high school. You went, you and I went to the same high school. You know, some of these classes, you take these classes because you know, you're not going to have to do anything. And that's where, that's where we, that's where we stumble and fall because you can teach a course in anything and have it be edifying. But a lot of times you get courses where teachers just, you know, yeah, I teach uh, art appreciation. And so it's like, here's here's a couple movies we can watch during this class or something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I've mentioned this before, but I, when I was in middle school, they had electives that were unbelievable uh, by today's standards. I, like, for example, I kid you not when I say I had an elective class in Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. when I was in middle school mm-hmm. uh, or a chess team, stuff like that that would happen during school. Uh, board games was a class. Just go in there and get the board games out and play games the whole time. And those are utterly pointless. Right. Another one of my favorites, study hall, where you just basically <laughs> yeah. sit there and do nothing. <laughs> exactly. I'm, exactly. I'm guessing they don't have that. This is yeah. I was gonna say this, this is where this is where I'd probably make some changes if I was the man in charge. But when it comes to you know artistic subjects, when it comes to things like even like home ec, you know, like home ec is great if you teach it well because you know learning how to cook it's a good thing. So. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny that we talk so much about school on the week that I withdrew my kid from school. But oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of wacky uh, because we're we're sort of under the gun here in West Virginia with the uh, unpleasantness. And the schools have got a little dicey, and my kid gets his uh, vaccine in a couple weeks. So we thought, heck, let's just pull him out for about a month. And and I will say, we talked to the school people, and they're totally cool with putting it back in when he's done stuff. So Great. they've made some changes to make it a little more palatable, mm-hmm. you know. But I, what do you think about... Uh, have you ever considered um, if homeschooling versus actual schooling uh, would be a better way to go? What do you got a thought on that? I was going to ask you about yeah, that anyway. Absolutely. It 100% depends on who's teaching your kid. You so know? you don't think I should be a homeschool teacher, for example? You would be an excellent homeschool teacher. You are well-versed in the ways of the world. So. He would be great at D&D by the time he graduated. <laughs> I can tell you that right now, but But, um, you know, it's just like... A, Every education comes down to the quality of the teacher. That's that's at the end of the day, well, that's what we're talking about. So. Thank God I'm not teaching him; he'd be boned. But <laughs> all right, Aaron, let's move on, shall we, to this week's Amiga news? Amiga news. So, Aaron, we've got some videos this week. A couple, couple big names in the Amiga scene have re- released new content. We're going to start things off with uh, our our buddy Ravi from the Retro Hour. What's he got this week, Aaron? Well, <laughs> this is a wacky one, Boat. I'll be honest with you. But it's, I mean, I haven't seen Ravi put out a video for a while. Ravi went over, and I believe he got this from Poland. I think he mm-hmm. says the video. That's where all the best stuff comes mm-hmm. from, man. Hey, listen. We know all about crazy polish power supply gimmick yeah we do but ravi looked at our shoe box and was like hold my beer <laughs> when he bought a power supply to power two amigas simultaneously but wow. have you seen this thing yeah this so is crazy he what it it comes out it comes it's a power supply just a block mm-hmm. and it's got two ports on it and the then you are supplied the uh cables of your choice to stick into the power supply to actually that goes to your amigas so, for example, you could power two Amiga 500s, an Amiga 500, a CD32, Amiga 600, Amiga 500, whatever you want. They've got all kinds of crazy uh, 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 different leads. And then on the other side, it's got a lead to determine, you know, for, depending on what country you're from, how mm-hmm. you're going to plug this thing to the wall. Sure. Uh, Sounds great. Ravi put this thing over. And Ravi did mention something in this that I, I hadn't thought about, you know, because I've got a replacement power supply myself. For the Amiga, it just it does one. Mm-hmm. But Ravi had been taking his 
uh, DJ equipment on the road, you know, which is comprised of some Amigas. And he'd go into the club with this stuff, and they'd look at these ancient computers and that big beat-down power supply and be like, is this a fire hazard? Yeah, right. And he'd be like, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And so he was he was put off to go do this thing. Well, this is this is a perfect solution. Obviously, this is not for everybody. Not yeah. everybody needs to plug in two Amigas simultaneously all the yeah. time. But if you run any kind of a retro museum, you know, we talk about Neil's Cave that's coming up. Yeah. Uh, this seems like it would be a perfect solution for something like that. I will say we got Chris Edwards in here who says he has one of these, and the insides of this are mean whales. That's good. Uh, he says it's a good power supply. And Ravi was really into it as well. I will say I did the math on this thing. Mm-hmm. It comes out to about a one hundred American dollary dues, and okay. I'm guess, and that's not counting shipping. So it's not it's not a it's not cheap, brother. Right. Uh, but you are getting two power supplies for the price of one for all intents and yeah. purposes. So the only time I've seen something like this before is in the retro gaming scene. They've got a power supply. You know, if you're if you've got a a Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive, uh, like like I do. If you try to hook up like a 32X and all that stuff, you end up having like a thousand power supplies mm-hmm. because yeah. the 32X takes a power supply, the Genesis takes a power supply, and the C and the CD uh, edition takes a power supply. So you've got three huge, and the Genesis power supplies were like as big as your head, massive. And they've, yeah. and they've got a gimmick that that will power all three if mm. you need that. So that's that's that's, that's so, essential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, this looks like it'd be kind of neat if you want to uh, check it out. Just go to Ravi Abbott's channel and check it out. He, the guy that sells this stuff's on eBay, Boat. Mm. So it's called the Amiga Duo. The Amiga okay. Duo, Boat. So there you go. Cool, cool. Now, we ha- we move on to our buddy Doug, the 10-minute Amiga Retrocast. He's talking about something called the Re-Amiga 3000 Motherboard. What is this thing, Aaron? I enjoyed this, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I, you know, I love, you know, me and Doug have a shared experience. We both bought these Unamigas mm-hmm. a couple years ago. <clears throat> now, if you'll recall, Boat, the Unamiga is quite a, a neat device. Mine came over with uh, several problems. That were, <laughs> it, it was, it came, it arrived broken, is what you're saying, well, right? You know, yeah. I mean, okay. I was, <laughs> see, that's not the <laughs> diplomatic way to say it. Yeah. It was jacked up, Boat. So I had to do some, I had to reflow a chip, I had to do a dance. And you get into the and one of the problems I had is that the because uh, Ed Du was more than happy to let me send that thing back, uh, but you're talking shipping to Spain, yeah, you know, and yeah. so that ain't cheap, brother. No, so Doug had a very similar experience. So flash forward to the Re Amiga here, uh, the Re Amiga is a replacement motherboard uh, for an Amiga three thousand. That you repopulate yourself. I mean, for all intents and purposes, because you, of course, we we know that the Amiga has the custom chips mm-hmm. that you can't buy mm-hmm. all this jive. All right. So, Doug sent his bo- sent an Amiga three thousand board over and sent over uh, the money, and he had the guy populate it for him. Now wow. you can ponder this for a minute. If you look at this motherboard, uh, po- populating this thing yourself or having anyone do it, that ain't no cakewalk. No, that is no. a ton of intricate solder work. This boy right here wouldn't do it. I can tell you that there's not enough wad, and this thing wasn't cheap. I think I think Doug saves into it to something like six hundred pounds or something. It was expensive. I'm, not, I, I'm totally not surprised. I mean, the labor alone in yeah. putting something like that together has got to be astronomical. Now, the the advantages of this are there's a they they the video has changed a little bit. And they've changed. There's extra ports and some mm-hmm. other junk on there that they put on there. It doesn't matter. But what I enjoyed about this video is uh, Doug 
Doug, they got the board in. Well, instantly Doug has problems with it. And so, and, and I'm not, I'm not basking in Doug's pain, but I just like the way D- Doug is the cheeriest guy I've ever seen who, who semi buries somebody. And he, he, I will say he put this board over strong despite the, the finding several problems with it, including a, and I mean, they were real difficult things to find. Like he, uh, he found a, a, a little area where there was a trace lift that he found a little ball of solder between uh, two real fine leads on a chip. These are things that you, when I used to be in post solder, used to drive me nuts when I worked for IBM because you have to go in there with a microscope and a and a pen checker, and you're just running through this. And you, and the boards we worked on were nothing like this. Like this mm. would be a disaster. Mm. So Doug had to go through all this stuff, and ultimately he found out that when you the chips that he sent over with this board weren't the ones that were put in it. So who knows what happened to his chips? Oh These my are gosh. other chips. And because he knows for certain, for example, that his, I mean, his board worked and it had an MMU in it and the boards, the MMU on this board will not work. And so he, he sent, he same. sent a working 3000 board yeah. to Edu. No, Edu... no, Edu, Edu's not involved in this. This is a whole other guy. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, this is not Edu. Okay. Uh, so anyway, this is quite an adventure. And you know, I love a good adventure video from Doug where he gets in here and tries to troubleshoot this stuff. And and ultimately, Doug ends up settling for this board despite its flaws. I mean, he says, "Listen, this doesn't work, and I can't get it to work. And as far as I know, it'll never work." He's like, "But I'm still cool with it." So he he puts a sunny picture on it. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, Doug has got a great delivery. It's a half hour of uh, adventure, geeky adventures in tech. Uh, so if you're into that sort of thing, I would check this out. It's good stuff, boat. Mm. All right, Aaron, next, it's time for some gaming news. Uh, there is a new Amiga build of the dungeon crawler uh, Amber Moon. I guess this is really more of a role-playing slash dungeon crawler because there are above-ground sections as well. Yeah. People love this game, Aaron. Yeah, I've always heard... We, is this? I don't remember us ever covering this. Have we ever covered this? We have not yet covered Amber Moon. I wouldn't be surprised though if uh, if it was on the radar at some point in the future because this was a one of the the big new really or you know newish releases. Uh, this uh, this particular fix um, adds a uh, an English hard drive install version, so you can get that. Uh, it's fixed a lot of bugs, uh, spawning bugs, and things like that. So if you are uh, if you have Amber Moon, uh, you need to update your version. I think is what this uh, what this what this comes down to. Look I at believe all these fixes boat. There's a, like a million of them. You yeah, see this list yeah, here? Yeah, and I believe that this is a. Um, I don't. I believe that this is a free game. Uh, it looks like everything is 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 based from GitHub. Uh, so uh, perhaps you can just download this. You can download the newest version and, and get right away and get get to dungeon crawling, man. Yeah, it's up here. It's a full Amiga version, good to go. Yeah, That's, I know this game does have a, a quite a rep, mm-hmm. uh, boat. And I, I I've had uh, less than a cup of coffee with it back in the day. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's you know it's popular, so I'm glad to see someone working on it. And I'm sure these uh, these uh, fixes, given the long laundry list of stuff here, I'm sure these helped immensely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Aaron, let's move on to the big news of the week. That's right. We are less than one week away. That is not true. We are just slightly more than one <laughs> week away yeah. from the next installment of the International Computer Club. Yeah, we wanted to pitch this at the top of the news because we always end up forgetting uh saturday uh the september 18th uh it'll all go down boat september 18th at 6 p.m 
Eastern Standard Time, USA time. Uh, we will have an international computer club uh, starring a, a cast of thousands. We've gotten together. I think this is what the, is this the fourth one boat we've done? I believe that this is volume four, yes. We're going to try something a little bit different this time out, and we're going to actually host this thing on Discord instead of using Zoom. So if you haven't, uh, if you've been sort of shied off in the past because you didn't want to fool around with Zoom, installing Zoom or whatever, or you're not using a computer that has Zoom, uh, and you've got Discord, all you got to do is just literally click on the room and, and you'll be in. Uh, everyone's welcome. Pop right in. Even if you don't have anything to present, you can just kind of hang out uh, in, uh, in the room with us. That's totally fine. It'll also be broadcast on Twitch, as it always is. Uh, we've got about four presenters lined up so far. I'm hoping... Uh, anyone listening, we've got we've got room for several more presenters here. Uh, so if you've got a project you're working on, even if it's not completed or it's something you're thinking about, uh, if you've got a uh, a device in your possession you want to show off, uh, no matter what it is, if it's a console, if it's a classic computer, uh, if you've got a, a, a book, a, a set of books you want to talk about, or a particular book or a book review. Or magazine review. If you've if got you, something you, to pitch, if, even if you've, uh, yeah, even if you just had some recent acquisitions to copy the Coco Talk verbiage, uh, you can uh, you can talk about what stuff you've bought lately. You know, we had Graham talking about his GameCube collection. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, we're we're really open to almost any retro topic you can imagine. Uh, we just want to give people a chance to you know show off what they've got or talk about what they're into. Yeah, this is this is literally just to replace. You know, we can never replace your local users group, but we can simulate it to a certain degree, and that's what this is. Uh, and again, if you're a vendor, we've had Frank come in in the past, and, and you want to show off some of your wares or whatever, that's also welcome. Which that happens all the time at uh, computer clubs. Uh, so everyone's welcome. Uh, again, this will be uh, Saturday, September eighteenth, six p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I ask that if you're going to be involved, I'd love it if you could show up about 5.30 so we can make sure everyone understands how uh, how it's going to work. Uh, yeah, I've and been ex- I'm going if ahead, you bud. would like to sign up, all you need to do is head on over to the International Computer Club channel on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord. There's a link there to a Google Sheet. Just put your name in, put your, uh, put your topic in, and boom, you're in. That's yeah, it. That's all there is to it. Should be a good time, Boat. I am looking forward to it, my friend. Now, Aaron, before we wrap up the news, it's time to talk about what's new this week from our buddy Frank over at RetroRewind.ca. You know, Aaron, uh, Retro Rewind has uh, been sponsoring uh, our show for many, many months now. And uh, his site, his shop, Retro Rewind, just keeps getting better and better. Uh, Everything you can possibly want for your Commodore computer, whether you have a C64, C128, C16, or any of the Amigas, you can find it here on his site. And let me tell you something, Aaron. The prices on this stuff... You know, I almost laughed Frank out of the room when I saw when I saw this site for the first time because I said, "Don't you know what everybody else is charging for this stuff, man? You're giving this stuff away." But he loves to do it. He loves to give back to the community and actually sell products for the Amiga that will cause you not to have to mortgage your home. Correct. Not just the Amiga, but also uh, the uh, C64 and the C128, the CD32. Uh, Frank also does has a recapping service. He also sell you caps if you want to do it yourself. Uh, he's got a wide uh, variety of testing equipment, including some stuff he sent me down, some port testers boat and some uh, diagnostic ROMs. Uh, and so he's got those available. Pretty much he's got you covered for any of your testing or upgrade needs. Check him out, 
RetroRewind.ca boat. Awesome. And don't forget, folks, if you do place an order with Retro Rewind, use the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout. Save yourself 10%. Boom. Easy. That's, that's free money, boat. Free that's money. free money, man. Aaron, are you ready to enter through the hallowed halls of fun school? Mom. <laughs> well, no, but let's go there anyway, boat. <laughs> it's time to go to school. It's fun school, allegedly. We'll be the judges of that. So this week, Boat, is Edutainment Week. Yes. And I can't think of a better title for a game like Fun School. Now, we looked at, and I, I was going to ask you, Boat, because I sort of just did what you did. You looked at Fun School 4 mm-hmm. for kids 7 to 11 years old. Correct. That was, the, that was what we looked at this week. Did, was, there, was that just an arbitrary choice, Boat? Uh, this, no, this was specifically noted by Amigos Game Selection Committee Chair Pixels at Dawn. Uh, he says that, um, that Fun School, uh, Brutal Barracuda, who suggested this, uh, wants the Fun School 7 through 11 specifically. Very so, good. Yeah. Very good. I'm sure that's the one Brutal grew up with, Boat. Right, right. Isn't that cute? So, we looked at Fun School 4, uh, for 7 to 11 year olds. Uh, this came out in 91. You know, it's funny. Everywhere we went, this was listed as having two discs. I'm going to go, and I looked to see if these were sold as like a package with the younger ones. And as far as I could tell, they weren't. They were just mm-hmm. sold individually. So, But sure. this has one disc. So if you're looking for two in this particular case, you're not going to find it. You're just going to find one. Uh, this was published by EuroPress Software, <clears throat> Boat. Uh, they were responsible for... Well, I looked over what they were responsible for, and I'd say Fun School's probably the top of the bunch. And they did such uh, uh, awesome games as Dojo Dan, which is a disaster. Uh, Charlie Chimp. Uh, here's my personal favorite vote: Unsensible Soccer. We got the. Ch- oh man, I'm not lying. And ADI Junior, some other some other learning tiles. Not as many as you might think. Uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about EuroPress software before because we hadn't really came across them. Uh, boat all that much back in the day uh these guys were uh, a uk uh, bunch according to what i found their address was uh, uh the thomas house hampshire international business park and bassing stroke hampshire the uk mm. now, does that any of that mean anything to you yes the old bsh man what <laughs> really or are you yeah, just making like that the, up? it's like the atl oh i see so Europress was Europress is not just a software company. I guess you probably knew that. Uh, it was formed in 1965. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's they, almost they, Benetton old. They did a lot of stuff. All right. Uh, at, at, at the uh, at one point, they had, according to their little write up here, they had they were they were making annual turnover of 15 million pounds and employing over 250 people. Not bad. Uh, get this, Bo. This will blow your mind. This has an American twist to it. Um, of course, Europress got into software, but they had their hands in a lot of pies, you know. Mm, mm. By 1990, Europress had become the fifth biggest software house in the UK. And in 99, it was taken over by American company Hasbro. Wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. So they, I mean, they were big enough to be acquired by the big dog. Yeah. And it, but eventually it was sold back to its original owners in 2001. Okay. So I don't know yeah, what that, happened That there. happens sometimes. And then uh, to, to to put a, a fork in it, uh, on the 1st of July, 2002, Europress was acquired by Koch Media. 
Mm. And apparently, the, at the time of the writing of this, they were still around. So, well, who knows for sure? But yeah, pretty wacky. But yeah, that's Europress uh, software was just one little branch of their overarching awesomeness book from back in the day. Uh, so, getting back to the game, uh, this is an ECS OCS. This thing is absolutely made for the UK. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so it would, I, I doubt this ever got over here, Boat, because the, if you were a kid and you got some of these questions, you'd just be shaking your head wondering what the heck's going on. You, yeah. We'll talk about that later. This got ported into about a million things. I was surprised by that, too. Uh, you had the uh, Amstrad, uh, the Atari ST, which was the original version of this. This actually came over to the Amiga from the Atari, from what I found. Uh, the C64, the ZX Spectrum. Uh, also, I read somewhere that I had a... Uh, uh, the DOS port, which I, I've also read that uh, conflictingly that this had a, a, a port to the Electron, but I couldn't find one. So that mm-hmm. could have been, it could be like the disc thing. Someone just wrote something down. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. But what is this? This is an educational title for your 7 to 11 year old. And I will say the subject matter of this is is unusual. I mean, it's it's an odd it's not grouping, I think. Um, of course. Well, I, I'll tell you why software like this exists. Okay. As an educator, as a professional educator. Oh, yeah. Um, there are curriculum guidelines that have to be met for certain age ranges. No matter what country you teach in, the people at the federal level or the state level uh, get together and they say, by the time that you're this old, you need to know this, this, and this. Okay. And yeah. so what the good edutainment people do is they say, okay, how can we maximize our profit? Well, we can sell to schools if we match up our product with their curriculum standards. Mm. And so these games seem like sort of a hodgepodge of knowledge. Yeah. But these are the things that it you know that they determined were the most important things to teach where that when they sent their salespeople out to schools they were like listen we can match you up with this this and this which is different than your other games which don't cover any of this stuff hmm. so that's what i think went on here You're, it's like the inside scoop your the teaching degree finally paid off both your insider knowledge <laughs> i would before we get too deep into fun school for 7 to 11s you know, every one of these fun schools, well, after like the first one, would have th- like basically three different sets, okay? There's the under five uh, version of Fun School 4. It includes, all these include mini games, both, mm-hmm. by the way. The oh, under, it's Fun School. The under five version had Edition, Teddy Paint, Fun Train. We'd like that one. Yeah. Teddy's House, Teddy's Karaoke, and Teddy's Books. So it was sort of teddy bear based. Mm. The age five to seven. It had library, uh, basketball, Boy, library, shop, huh? shopkeeper, log cabin, uh, <laughs> opposites, and typing. And you can see how okay. some of this, but you can make out something. And of course, this one, we'll get into what it had. Believe it or not, Boat, and I don't know if you read this, but this had a backstory. Did you know the backstory? No, of this no game? I did not know the backstory. Uh, there are, okay, there are six games and activities that allow the child, that's you, Boat, mm-hmm. to, uh, to help Sammy the Spy, that's Agent Q. Find and retrieve the stolen riches of King Raram by and by completing the six missions with varying skill levels, and then you. So what you've got to do, and you'll notice if you did you complete any of the missions in this? Uh, I don't believe I completed any of okay. them fully. I did. Okay, I completed. I didn't realize it was possible. If I oh, did, yeah. if I knew that, I probably would have tried harder. 
I'm not going to lie to you. I can only complete one of these. <laughs> well, and I'll explain why. It's not because I'm dumb. Uh, it, well, it's not totally. Oh, hype train. Thank you. Uh, but the, when you complete a mission, it gives you an overarching clue to solve the mystery. Okay. All right. Now, I did not solve the mystery, but I did get one of the clues. So, but before we go into the individual games here, it's just sort of like we do uh, Winter Olympics or something. What did you think of this game when it came up? And what do you think of the whole concept of a game like this? Well, I enjoy collections of mini games. You might say it's my favorite genre of game. Um, you know, uh, anything from the games, games, winter games, summer games, California games, uh, all the way up through games like Rhythm Heaven or WarioWare. Yeah. Uh, I, anything that has a bunch of little bite-sized fun activities, I'm, I'm on board with. So I love the concept for this game. Yeah. When it comes up, uh, you are greeted with a jaunty little tune, uh, Boat, I think. Mm -hmm. And you get a guy walking across the screen with a flashlight, like mm -hmm. a detective. Right. And it's really nice. Now, <clears throat> I like the opening tune. I like the screen layout. But here's what I didn't like. How long did it take you to figure out how to move to the next game? Yeah. Well, they... I feel like what they did was they tried to standardize the controls across all computer platforms as much yeah. as they could. Yeah. And they decided to make space the key to move between the games. That makes no sense to us now, but I haven't played enough edutainment titles on these older systems. Maybe that was sort of the standard. I don't know. This put the pain in edutainment. <laughs> Because I sat there forever trying to move to the next game. You mm -hmm. start off with six squares, and, and you with a cursor, you move around to pick which of the events you want to do. The thing is, the arrow keys do nothing. Nothing, right. does, nothing does anything except for two keys, mm -hmm. the enter key and the space bar. The space bar switches between the different events, and the enter key selects them. It took me forever. I was switching joysticks. I was changing computers. Now I will I was say to find different discs. <laughs> I will say I did cheat a little bit. Um, Pixels at Dawn sent me a full scan of the manual. Oh, so yeah, sorry you lost out. Well, I figured it out eventually because I'm smarter than an 11 year old boat. Thank you very much. <laughs> so let's talk about these events, boat, and we'll just go. Uh, I guess we'll just go into the order they're presented. Okay. Okay. So the first event you're going to find is a game called proportions. Boat. Yes. Tell the people about proportions. You have a grid of uh, 20 objects and uh, what you have to do is you have to, uh, you get a clue. Uh, this is, it's sort of, if you could think about um, guess who, that's what I thought of the, the, the classic board game. The guess awesome who. band. Not, no, not the awesome band, although they are awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, the uh, you have a bunch of different pictures that are related by theme. Uh, for example, you might see uh, laboratory equipment, and then you might get a question like, "How many uh, burners are there in this?" And so you have to do some mental math or get a calculator and uh, determine what the per what percentage of uh, you know burners there are or blue pencils. Uh, sometimes you see uh, a bunch of secret agents in trench coats and they'll say, how many agents are there that have a blue mustache? And, uh, and you can do this, uh, there, the, the levels progress through percent, you've got decimals, you've got fractions, and you've got a clue. 
Uh, actually, I don't really know what clue is, uh, but uh, the other ones I understand. Um, and uh, I found myself, uh, especially when it came to the fractions, to be especially poor at this sort of activity. I uh, I busted through this one uh, with because listen, you may not know this boat. Not only do I have a brown belt and Kosatomi Sekkan, Southern West Virginia Karate, mm-hmm. I'm also a two-time middle school math build day champion. Are you really? You got that right, brother. I had no idea. That's listen, great. I got brains coming out my hiney. You know what I mean? Wow. And so, they wouldn't even let me in the door in math field yeah. day. Well, I could tell that. That's all right. But so <laughs> when it came to going through these ratios here, these these uh, proportions, mm-hmm. I aced this sucker. And this is I the bet. one that I actually took to the house Yeah, uh, at yeah. this one. Now, you start off, it starts off fairly simple with just a smaller grid. And then it works its way up to where the grid gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see here, if you're watching, it's, you get up to 30 or more. And all you've got to do, it's multiple choice. And once you get past the first section, uh, you actually get a uh, you get a little uh, cut scene where your guy mm-hmm. goes to his computer to type some stuff out. Like, you're cracking the case. That's the right. gimmick that they're doing. Uh, so uh, you do this, and ap- after every round, you see that little thing. Then it shows you a, a scene with your agent under a lamp, and he holds his coat out to tell you what level he's on. Pretty simple stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but it but it's 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 not bad. I mean, it for does a, kid, a good job of breaking up the action and those little animations. You know, when you were a kid and you were playing a game on a computer, you yeah. lived for those little things. You yeah. thought they were great. Yeah, and that's the one I beat, and it gave you the little clue. So, the next uh, bit here is Spy Quiz. Now, Spy Quiz I found infuriating. It's not because it was bad, but because it was very very uh, UK centric boat. Including asking stuff like, what's the primary river of this town? Or asking about words that I'd never heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would get up the, in this part of the game, you caught your car pulls up and you're grapple hooking like Batman style going up the rope. Mm-hmm. And you have to answer questions. And the more questions you answer, the higher you get on the rope until you get to the top of the ledge, get the information. And then you get out if you miss yeah. it. Now, the the, the, oh, the the thing that's infuriating about this game is you can get almost all the way up the rope. It only takes one. Only yeah. takes one miss. The flower pot gets dropped on your head. You go all the way back down to the beginning. Yeah, correct. And so, what would inevitably happen to me? I mean, I got past I don't know three or four levels of this. But what would inevitably happen? Would I would get a question that would be very non-American? And I mean, I'm not saying I'm commander uk but i've got more than a passing knowledge of what's going on but i mean if you ask me what river comes out of somewhere out that's i have no idea geography not not dude do you know what what, what's the major river that comes out of denver we're in america do you know that i don't know no i mean it's a big country Uh, uh, plus you don't know what's more important than other countries and i don't know uh and so i would inevitably fall down and i got frustrated quit uh, but this is a it, the, it's colorful. Mm-hmm. It looks nice. The animation's nice. Uh, I like this event. I, I like. Yeah. And, uh, there were a pretty decent amount of trivia questions too. This is. I thought they did a pretty good job on this one. It's an interesting thing to be put in here, like a trivia contest. I thought it was kind of neat. I thought this this was one of my favorite events. I even you know uh, even though I didn't know all of the questions. Yeah. Um, it was still it was still fun. I like the idea of you scaling the wall, and when you drive away, it's it's satisfying. Uh, I like the combination of trivia and spelling. Yeah, you know? I didn't and like so, that. 
<laughs> I didn't like that so much. I mean, I did okay at those, but it, they, they're very tricky, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're tricky. And so I thought, now, here's what I think, Aaron. I think that if they put this sort of a group of questions in front of your average 7 to 11-year-old American student, I don't think they do so hot. I think the, these these questions it seemed to me to be more on the middle school level than the elementary school level. Listen, these were difficult questions, some of them, mm -hmm. and even the spelling ones were no easy feat. A lot of these were, uh, again, it's hard to say unless these were completely Americanized, you know, mm -hmm. with a, their American equivalent. Maybe a kid would do better, but as an adult. I found this, I'm not gonna say challenging, but there were it would I would do fine and then hit one that I didn't know and I'd be like, oh man. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with what you're saying on that one. But it's still it's a good look and nothing wrong with that. Not nothing wrong with that event at all. Now the next one, Boat, uh I, I will say I thought this one was uh pretty was pretty simple here. I think the next one we're gonna do is exchange rates. So mm -hmm. this is <laughs> this I never thought about this, but this is probably pretty important. Uh, uh, to 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 have knowledge of this, and this is just monetary exchange rates. Uh, they list uh, what five countries at the top here, both including the UK uh, being the base currency, and then it's mm -hmm. got that. What do we got here? The Germany's Deutschmark, mm -hmm. the Franc from France, uh, uh, the uh, lira is there, and what is the? Uh, that's the that's the probably the Spanish peso. Is that what? No, it's not the peso because they mentioned the they mentioned what it is. Uh, but it's another currency. But yeah. Now, Aaron, here's a question for you. How many yeah. of these currencies currently exist? Well, I mean, I think they all exist, but I don't think they're all actively being. I mean, mostly now it's euro, except for the, the pound is back. I say that's a, yeah. None of these currencies exist anymore except for the pound. It's still handy knowledge because despite the fact that the, and you were right, by the way. Thank you, Frodo. It was the the peseta yeah. from Spain. So it wasn't the peso, but still close enough. Yeah. Uh, this is still pretty handy, because although they tricked you by putting a calculator on the screen. But at first, I thought I could use that to figure this stuff out. But now <laughs> you have to do it in your head. But what you do is they ask you questions about uh, the exchange rate, and as you answer the questions, you'll get the you'll get parts of your spy suit. You literally start this scene in your underpants, and then they start they start you start slowly putting your spy suit together, and after that, you end up buying some other stuff. And they, there's even a part of this where they ask you if you go far enough in. They'll have products on the table, and they'll ask you which of these is the most expensive or the least expensive. Which of these is second most expensive? Mm -hmm. And it gets that gets pretty heady right there, right. doesn't it? Right. It's sorry. This is a great example of how to do a difficulty curve right, because when you when you lead when you lead off in this, all you're doing is multiplying. You're multiplying the number that he asks you by the number of the currency. But like you said, it gets harder and harder. Um, I thought this was a, this was probably my favorite event just because I enjoyed watching my little spy get dressed. I enjoyed all the little, the, your little guy here. That's what did the, it for you, huh? Hey, listen, man, whatever hey, works. Hey, now listen, if it was backwards, I'd be in. <laughs> and your customs officer, he's got the look of every customs officer you've ever seen in your life. Just <laughs> disinterested. <laughs> Yeah, I I will say uh, I did. I thought this was a pretty easy one, and but I will say it gets a little more complicated as, as, when you get into the later rounds. But it's it is neat, 
And it does, it sort of a, harkens back to a different time, I guess. But I think it's cool. Uh, it's a good, it's handy to, for a kid to have that sort of knowledge. I mean, I can see where it'd be important. So I like this event. I like the idea of getting the stuff up from the guy at the, uh, like you're buying this stuff. I will say it's funny because amongst the things you're getting are like guns, <laughs> knives. So, <laughs> you're a super spy. That's, that's part and parcel. If you yeah. don't have one of those when you board the plane, the customs officer gives you one. Is, <laughs> is that how it works? Is yeah. it? <laughs> so that was a pretty good one. The next one we're going to talk about, Boat, is t- is timetable. Now, timetable, I would say, is far and away the. E- would you say this is the easiest event? That's a yes. actual proper event. Yes, All it was the easiest for me. Is you your guys at an airport? He's looking up at the departure uh, sign. And he's all the departures are listed, and then he has to they'll ask a question like, "What time's the flight leave from Paris?" And you look at what time it says, like four fifteen p.m. And then you mm-hmm. just there's a big checklist. You just go down to the one that's the right one. You hit the button, and then that that you get the answer right. And this was one that these. Oh, go ahead. I, I, I couldn't figure out. Did you were you able to find a different level where you had a different task? Because it seemed no. like for me, you just kept doing the same thing yes. over and over again, and it never got any harder to me right. either. Right. I will say the highlight of this is when you is when you finish the level, your guy does the crazy two suitcase shuffle, <laughs> and then he ju- you see him you see him out on the tarmac getting the airplane, <laughs> and then the airplane airplane flies off with the classic Atari engine noise. Yeah, that, did you notice that? It's a, <laughs> yeah, just I like loved it. The, like Star Raiders or something. Mm-hmm. It's so they didn't spend any money on the sound effects, but I kind of I kind of like that. Yeah, uh, I like the fact that there's a little sign that says uh, "fly uh, f- frog air." Mm-hmm. That's a, a there's of, lots of little fun touches in yeah. this, you know. But I didn't see this change at all. Uh, you get four correct answers, and every time you get an answer, a light comes on, and then once you get them all, you just you keep on trucking. Not hard at all. If it gets harder, I didn't say I don't really, I don't know how you'd make this any harder. Really, well, the only thing I, the only thing you could do be easy. Well, <laughs> you could make this harder. You could say. The local time is 10, 15 a.m. Uh, if you were in, you're currently in England. You know, if you were in Paris, what time would the flight to Lisbon be? So you'd have to do an additional calculation. Oh, God. So there would that be would... ways to make this harder, but. Of course, that uh, wouldn't be realistic. I mean. No, no, because you'd only be flying out of the airport where it was the local time. I want to go on the airport where they show you a different local time. Just to screw <laughs> with you. We're testing you. Just for fun. Just for fun. <laughs> so, so there's that one. Now, this next one is what I would call, I don't know, abstract boat, which is saying, and it is the travels, the yeah. travels thing. Now, what did you think of this one, boat? Um, we've got video. There it is. This, this is the, one is, this one's odd. Yeah. Okay. This one, this is a three level excursion. Okay. Uh, the first, the first level of this is not a game. The first level of this is you fly around in a plane. And uh, as you pass over areas, it will show up in the bottom of the screen where you are. Okay, yeah, so, so I guess it's like a tutorial of how to fly about the plane. If you've ever seen like Indiana Jones, when mm-hmm. the parts of the show where he's flying around, and they just show a map and just show a little line where he's going, that's what this map looks like with a little cut scene thrown in. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, down on the bottom, there's a little cut scene, which is cute. You know, it's nice. Um, and then in the second level, that's where the game really begins. You are piloting a boat and you have to sail the, the, the seven seas to find uh, where uh, to, to find, you know, the, all the different oceans and seas and things like that. This is a little bit tricky. I found it very difficult 
to control yeah. this boat with any degree of accuracy. And I got stuck up there in the Mediterranean Sea up by Italy yeah. and all those straits and things. Uh, yeah, and I had a yeah. devil of a time trying to get out of there. Well, part of it, you have to figure out where you're going, mm -hmm. that, which is no easy task. Uh, it, it is wacky. And, and the boat, no boat should control like that, by the no. way. <laughs> the boat it there it has no brakes it just it's it's like it's, it's just, you sail until you hit land and <laughs> you collide right. with it that's right <laughs> but it's i mean i i will say i this event wasn't my favorite but there is something kind of interesting i read about this so this game is listed as being coded in Amos, okay we've heard but we're not done talking about are we going to talk oh, about yeah, the third this level is, this is relevant to this okay level. okay so this this game is was known to be coded in Amos. Well, I was looking over the Lemon reviews, and one of the people that reviewed a game in here uh, mentioned that he actually wrote a uh, he did a couple levels for this, including this one, uh, and also Timetable, and they were written in assembly. So there there were a couple of events in this that were not written in Amos, and that this and this is one. He also mentioned that he did so he did a couple of the ports too. I, when I did a little more searching, and sure enough, there are a few places that list a combination of the two languages or the two uh, you know, programming languages. So that's kind of neat uh, to know. It is, uh, by the way, another uh, a pretty quality game for most of it being an Amos. I, I was pretty impressed by that. Now, how did you fare at this particular event aside from getting your boat stuck? Uh, it, it wasn't too bad. I, yeah. I, I'm pretty good at world geography. I'm less good at local geography, I think. Well, yeah, I can understand that. So the last event boat uh, was a. This is a weird one here. I thought. I mean, an odd inclusion. This one's called Desert Dates. All right, Desert Dates. Uh, the flavor text on this one: Sammy and his boss have found various pyramids containing gems and secret parchments hidden behind various blocks with a date written on them. The computer will ask a question. And, and the child must select the correct block to smash. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing here. You're getting asked questions. And some of these questions, well, a lot of these questions weren't easy, but I, I didn't think. What did you think? Well, this they what they try to do, if you read the curriculum guide to this book, which I did. Um, Such a teacher. They, <laughs> they say that, you know, individual dates are too hard for kids to remember, which I agree with. And, and they're mostly unimportant. You and don't need to know yeah. the exact date of things in the past. I like the idea of making it a century. And yeah. I like the idea of making it not the like hard to understand, like 12th, 13th century, where you got to add a hundred years. I like the idea of what they did here. <coughs> so um, now, but I was just like you, this is very European centric. And of course, the United States history doesn't go back this far. So yeah. we have no choice we but to go, go into Europe. But yeah, there were a lot of things in this. I actually thought that this was harder than the trivia event. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. That much said, it's colorful again. The animation's cute. Uh, I, I think it was neat. I think uh, uh, if you're a kid that's actually in the midst of studying this sort of stuff, that this would be fun, but you would gain some knowledge. I agree with what you said about picking the century. That I mean, first of all, you're they were dead on. No one can remember these exact dates. I mean, mm -hmm. unless you're a historian or have just have a really good memory, but you can sort of you can sort of guess, come close, you know. Right. But I like this. I like this. I like this was a cute little event. And now uh, I did have technical problems with this particular game. Yes. Uh, once I finished the level, the game hard locked on me. Yeah. And I had I had to I had to quit out. Um, it's funny so because I had this lock up on me as it started. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So we both had trouble with that level. That's odd. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, there's also an issue with the, I believe it's the timetables game. Uh, whenever you quit out of that, it doesn't just quit you out of that event. It quits you back to workbench. <laughs> and so that um, didn't have happen. And uh the in picks when he sent me the uh the manual, actually I guess he sent this to both of us. Um he says that uh the the um it says in the manual it says if you can't quit to the menu on your basic Amiga, it's because the game is so awesome and it has so much content. So that's why it boots you back out to workbench. Uh, oh yeah, that's what it is. So that's there are your events. Now, before we close the door on this, I want to talk about the the series, but because I think this is relevant. Okay, sure. so uh, I looked on Wiki here to see just to see how this how popular because I'd never heard of the Fun School series. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you had. You no, no, I, I I'd never heard of it. I just read a lot about it this oh, week. Oh, I see. Okay, so um, the game, the games uh, before '89, there was not much of an education uh, market, so they were saying that when this came out. Uh, for these various computers, it was sort of it had it was basically running by itself more or less for a little mm-hmm. bit. There was a, there was not a huge market for it, so it did real well. Uh, the game sold sixty thousand copies by February. This is Fun School Two, and at that point, they decided to make a German version. And by April of the for Fun School Two, they'd sold a hundred thousand copies. All right, so then they started making they started adding these things together. So you've got by nineteen ninety. Uh, which was uh, uh, August of 90. And this, keep it in mind, this came out in 91. So this is still predating what we're looking at. This series had already sold like 100,000 units. That's a lot. Yeah. And then by uh, by the end of that year, they'd sold 150,000 units. By the time they got the Fun School 3, they'd sold 250,000 copies. I right? guarantee you there are more copies sold of Fun School yeah. than many, many, many popular Amiga games. And I'll tell you why. Schools are going to buy software. Yeah. They're not going to pirate it. You know, yeah. They've got budget for this stuff. It's a good angle, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Fun School 3 it sold great. And by the time Fun School 4, which is what we looked at, came around... Europress had already sold 300,000 of its fun school products. And after this release, they sold another 100,000. Mm. All right. So by 92, they'd sold half million. By 93, they'd sold 650,000. After it was all said and done, when they released a fun school six, they'd sold 1.5 million copies of the fun school series. And when they released fun school seven, finally, they had sold over two million copies of these fun school games so yeah they were going to the money bank uh with these with these games and, and if you think about it, we're talking about europress software you saw the titles i read off they weren't selling two million copies of dojo dan brother you know <laughs> unlikely unlikely now Bo, you had a look at this on one of its uh one of its ports can you correct that a little yeah, so I remember, I think Pix was actually the guy that said that he had this on the Spectrum. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll check this out. So I fired up uh, the old Mr. And uh, and we got some fun school going. Actually, that's a lie. I think I fired it up on the old emulator because uh, it's, it was a disc game, Aaron. This is one of the few Spectrum disc games that I, uh, I have played. It was mm-hmm. actually two discs on two big discs. Um, I've got to say... The Spectrum version does not disappoint. Yeah, uh, all good, of, all of the similar. elements are there. Uh, all uh, I think that's the the interstitial animations I believe are not there, but the the actual you know in game stuff is still there. 
I was very impressed. Of course, I mean, it's not it's not doing a ton, but the graphical fidelity, which is the most important part of the game, is still big, beautiful, colorful, uh, big sprites. Uh, I was a fan of this. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, it looks like all the elements are there, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've even captured the... Uh... <laughs> The customs officer, the customs man, <laughs> and all of his glory. So the graphics look like they, I, I, I wouldn't, what they weren't ported, but they were lovingly, uh, been painstakingly uh, redone on the yes. specy. Yes. So that that looks like a that looks like a pretty good uh, port if you're into that sort of thing. I looked this up to see. I was interested to see how this would do uh, from a from the perspective of how it had been rated at the time. Uh, the people at Lemon give it a seven. Point four. But that's low. That's low. Well, I mean, crowd. that's not. I mean, there's tons there. of games we've played that have been hot garbage that they've rated higher than seven point four. <laughs> so you're you're holding the candle for for uh, yeah. Full four. Uh, See you, Amiga was the only mainstream outfit I could see that actually did a review of this. They gave it four out of five stars. Uh, the uh, the Spectrum version actually had a couple reviews. Crash gave an eighty five, Sinclair user gave an eighty three, and your Sinclair gave an eighty four. So somewhere in the same ballpark, the Amiga one apparently was more well received, at least by the one magazine. Also, eBayed this thing, vote. Uh, you can get this thing, believe it or not, in the USA. I was surprised really? to see that. Yeah, and huh. I'm wondering, I, I wonder if there was a region corrected version of this, you know, a regional version. It'd almost be worth buying just to see, but you yeah, probably, absolutely. Probably anyway, you get it for fifteen bucks, boat. Mm. It's out of California, IA. Uh, and if you want this in the UK, you can get this thing all day long for under six US dollars. Do we have any Discord action on this boat? We did, we did. We lead off with Pajaco sixty five oh two. He says a fun educational title for kids and grown ups too, with a good variety of games. Graphics and audio are good and wouldn't be out of place in modern educational devices. Uh, some of the quiz questions seemed hard for children, but as you aren't punished too badly for wrong answers, it's not a showstopper. Hilariously, one round saw the main British character robbing the pyramids. <laughs> now that is real history, folks. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> for an educational kid's title on a 16-bit machine, this is really not bad at all. Mm. Eight out of ten. Yeah. Pixels at Dawn writes, the clue is in the name. This is a bunch of fun for an educational title with solid sound and graphics, although the mini games could do with some background music themselves. Mm. It's also pretty challenging at times, even for us older types. And he says, I was never good at fractions. I particularly liked the strong theming around spies for this one, and knowing a bit about the national curriculum in the UK, it seems to fit pretty well to the later key stages. And it's nice to see an educational game that isn't just learn to count and what letter does this word start with. Very inventive and fun, although a little repetitive if you stick with one mini game for too long. Eight out of ten. Mm, very good. We both so, like this one, Boat. Yeah, yeah. This is a winner for me. Educainment. Have we, have edutainment we had a bad continues. educational title yeah, yet? I don't think so. I mean, all the games we've played, I've been shocked to have fun with. So it is very, every year, every time it comes up, I dread it. But mm-hmm. by the time it's over, I'll always enjoy it, Boat. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a very strange thing. What do you say we head on over to our YouTube channel, Aaron? See what's going on there. Yes, sir. Good idea, Boat. So we had an interesting week this week. I mean, <laughs> what can I say? I guess we'll get to it. Um, let's talk about uh, ARG Presents. Oh, myself yeah. And the Brent, the ever popular The Brent. This week, Boat, boy, this was a weird one. Uh, we looked at the Benetone lines of home 
Pong Machines boat. Mm -hmm. uh, now, this is a UK outfit. Ha have you heard of these guys at all before this? I had never heard of Benetton before. Uh, they no. have a, they've released a core for the Mister, mm -hmm. and so this spurred uh, uh, a a suggestion to do it, and uh, it was fun. I, I got a lot of help from my friends, that's for sure, because I had to. It was not the easiest thing to find video footage of or even information on. But once I got into it, it was kind of neat. Uh, we had a lot of fun looking into this thing, playing the games. Uh, the, uh, the 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 Mr. Core supports the Benetton uh, Four. The it's called the Benetton TB Master MK Four. Mm -hmm. But there were a ton of these things, a ton, a country ton. We go over all of them, boat that are based around the eighty five hundred chip. We looked at every single It's amazing. One. You said you said that the Mark 10, they went all the way to 10, right? With this Well, thing? there's actually more than that. Believe mm. it or not, they also released a cartridge-based machine which we didn't look at. So maybe, maybe that maybe in a future episode that, yeah. that can be on there. Yeah. We had a lot of fun, but we actually left some of the we left some food on the table for this and so this week uh, if you enjoyed the Benetton uh, uh show, there'll be a little addendum uh at the beginning of this week's show because we're going to get a couple extra goodies that came to light after we did the uh a video but we had a lot of fun on this one boat and the brett was particularly keen on this one he really enjoyed i enjoy it. this episode tremendously oh very good very good so you know i'll occasionally stream a little something on friday night's boat every and once in a while last week you know a couple weeks ago i really enjoyed playing the what i call the amiga legacy on the playstation we played a lot of amiga games that ended up having ports to the playstation or or sequels and i thought heck let's just play some playstation games and that's what we did we just had, uh, I just had people suggest some different games, uh, boat, mm -hmm. including air hockey. There's a couple games on here that were right up your alley because they were mini game based. Oh, uh, yeah, and there's and they were fun too. They were, this is one right here. I can't remember the name. It's called Biku Baku or something okay. like that. I sounds like it was Japanese wackiness. That sounds right up my alley. We played some awesome uh, uh, shooters. Was we that a? Was that, that was that was that a one must fall? Did that get a PlayStation release? No, that was not. Oh. What? What are you looking at? No, that was a shooter. We played a little Parappa the Rapper. We tried that. We tried a little bit of everything. So if you're into just seeing some crazy, oh, that's Strider. We mm -hmm. had a lot of fun. If you're into the PlayStation, you can check it out. Uh, it was a good time. And of course, these guys picked good games too. Well, we might as well talk about it, Boat. Uh, <laughs> last week, me and Boat had a five minute conversation on the release of the new ABBA. Uh, the new ABBA uh, album, the four upcoming album, and the and the virtual tour from ABBA, and uh, I sent it over to Boat. I clipped it out. I thought it was amusing, and I said, "Hey, you should put this up." And, he, and Boat, of course, for, found himself got himself an inflammatory <laughs> thumbnail and put it up. And then the ABBA fans are cut out of the woodwork to bury us, <laughs> despite the fact that I spent the whole video putting over one of my all-time favorite bands, I've, ABBA. I've, I've never been called so many horrible, demeaning names by so many fans of a band that is uh, that that is apparently the sweetness and light of the universe. Well, they are. So maybe, maybe the fans should take a cue from the band, if you know I what learned, I'm saying. I learned something from this video that I, I guess I sort of knew, is that people will come to badmouth you without actually watching one minute of the video that's right one minute of the five minute video it's the youtube way because the whole time if you watch this all i do is put over abba and badmouth boat for badmouthing abba <laughs> the few times he does but no we still got reviled so if you want to uh hear me talk about abba and then have boat even boat wasn't cruel to him no but the thumbnail was was brutal <laughs> so we, we took a bath on this but hey i will say 
thanks to this video, we had one of our all-time most viewed days. So go <laughs> Who to thunk it, Boat. Yeah, we're known for talking about ABBA. Uh, Boat, if you're interested in watching a couple playthroughs Boat did of today's game, he did a playthrough on both the uh, Amiga and the Spectrum. So if you sort of sat down and watch someone play Fun School for uh, the 7 to 11 version, then you're, uh, you can check those videos out. Look who's back, Boat. Guess who's mm -hmm. back in circulation? It's uh, our good buddy Jack Flack. Now, uh, this week, this time around, it was some C64 action uh, he, with one of his patented wacky discs. He also, here's my favorite part, Boat. He, he had his own BBS back in the day that he never actually put online. Mm -hmm. And so he actually logs on to it. In fact, he logged on as me, which is great. And then he actually took everyone on a tour of his BBS. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have it's, to watch this later. It's the that nerdiest, geekiest, <laughs> like 12-year-old mentality hacker thing you ever saw. <laughs> I love it. My favorite question, are you a member of the CIA, the FBI, Homeland Security? This big, long diatribe. I've always wondered how that's going to... How that's going to catch anybody? Listen, you, it's the law. If you're a cop, you've got to say you're a cop. <laughs> Who said that's the law? Have you ever heard that? That can't be true. It's not. You know? People say that all the time, though. They're just, like, just ask them if they were a cop. It's the law. They've got to say that. If that was the case, anyway. I enjoyed this. Uh, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed watching this BBS. Just the, if you read the stuff that Flack wrote on here, it is a grand lunacy of, of a young kid. It's a, you talk about a time capsule of what you were thinking back when you were 12 or so. Mm -hmm. This is it. Right I wish here. I had something like this so I could yes. remind myself of how this, big an illusor I was. I mean, it was great. And then of course he also plays a couple demos. He gets some C64 uh, game acts, including my old favorite Samuel Lightfoot is involved in there. So uh, check this out. This is Sprite Castle plays C64 games. Our good buddy Rob Flack O'Hara. It's a, it's a, I'd say it's a must-watch. Yeah. Speaking of a must-watch, every week, he's the King Dong of streaming, Boat. And it's our good buddy Frodo NL. Frodo goes back to 1984 to look mm -hmm. at the C-16. Interesting. Me and the Brent did a show with the C-16 where we played a couple of... I think we did Jack Attack was one of the games we did, which is... <laughs> and I can't recall the other one we did, but it was... A well-received. I remember show. Jack Attack. Yeah. yeah, and so the C16 ha has its fans, and uh, of course, one of them is sets right there before you. It's it's Frodo, and he goes through and just plays some of these games. Uh, Frodo has been a streaming machine boat, and I believe uh, a week from Saturday he's got a big stream coming up. Do you have? Did you do you remember the dates on that stuff? Yeah, yeah. So Frodo is do actually. Uh, no, I don't. It's it's. <laughs> Frodo is streaming on the 19th. I remember it's the 19th. I forgot that when I closed my Twitch channel, Frodo's in the chat right now. Frodo, you just put that right back up there, and I, and I will I will I will plug the heck out of this thing, man. Frodo uh, is doing a 12 hour stream, ladies and September 18th. Yes. September 18th. Same day. It'll be. It, it'll. I think it's actually going on at the exact same time as the International Computer Club. But he'll be going for 12 hours. Wow. So hey, open up two windows if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and he is doing it to celebrate. A, a breakthrough amount of subscribers to his channel. Uh, Frodo is a, it, there's no there's a reason why that Frodo is so popular because he's that good. Yeah, uh, twelve five hundred twelve followers both six a.m. until six p.m. Holy smokes! What is that in America? Oh, is that that is an American time, isn't it? Who knows? Is Eastern? What's EDT? Eastern. That's 
We need that. We need the game. Where's the time uh, conversion game? <laughs> so anyway, check Frodo out. Six a.m. EDT. That's got to be European. EDT. It's got to be European time. There you go. European, European time. daylight time. <laughs> that can't be what that means, right? <laughs> Holy God. Maybe it's Estonian time. Oh, <laughs> just stop. Anyway, we love Frodo. Check out his video and check out his stream. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be there, Boat Faux Show. Mm-hmm. That's all we got, Boat. All right. Well, uh, I want to take us over to the Amigos Retro Gaming uh, Discord server uh, to give you guys an update on what's going on in our high score competitions. Uh, Z9K9 has suggested that people play the game from the I think this came out the very first month the Amiga was released. If I recall correctly from, uh, from Anthony in the Amiga show, could be wrong. Uh, Mind Walker. Oh, Mind yeah. Walker. Aaron. That's, an, that's a must watch episode of the, uh, of the Amiga show. He, that's a great one. I love that. So uh, Z9K9 has posted. It's It doesn't look to be the easiest game to jump into, but he's posted a quick start guide uh, where I and I'm going to I'm going to try and give this a shot sometime this weekend because uh, it looks interesting. You never know. We're, we're probably going to end up playing this at some point in the future. So I might as well get my feet wet. Uh, but jump in, post yourself a high score on the Amigos high score challenge over on the discord. Specky high score challenge still going strong. we got a couple more days. We're going to uh, tape. Our next episode and the new high score challenge will be announced uh, then. Um, but right now you can get in on the Rodland action. The Rodland action, Aaron. Uh, right now we have uh, oh this, this is <laughs> one of the uh, most well uh, attended high score challenges we've had. Eight people. Eight people have submitted high scores. And of course, I am bringing up the rear with my score. But hey, I love Rodland. I gave it my best shot. If you love Rodland and you love the Spectrum, get on there. Get it done. I plan on submitting a score in the next two days, Boat. That's All right. right. Well, speaking, speaking in the next two days, Aaron, we have quite a Sunday coming up. If you uh, are listening to Amigos the day that is released, that is tomorrow from our time, uh, on Sunday, September 12th, we are going to be recording our usual monthly marathon of shows where we record uh, our Sinclair, 1200XL, and the Coco Show back to back to back. Uh, we'd love to have you in the chat with us, especially a very special episode of our Sinclair because our R. Sinclair, our Clive's Club, the Game Selection Committee, they came to a tie for our next game. So we're actually going to be announcing our next game for the first time live on air, and we need your help fair listener please join us live in the twat in the uh, in the twitch chat uh on twitch.tv slash amigos retro gaming uh sunday at 3 p.m uh we are going to be taping our sinclair and at the end of the show you can help us decide whether we're going to be playing a rampage or mikey yeah and as an added bonus our sinclair we're going to talk about a game we reviewed a long time ago uh speed we have actually gotten uh some feedback from the guy that wrote that yeah, so we're going to mention that, too. That'll be kind of fun to have a quick look back at that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So big weekend coming up uh, and uh, we'd love for you to spend some time with us. Now, Aaron, before we close things out, of course, we can't forget about the Patreon song. Yes, we can. We can. <laughs> we can. and We should. Last week's Patreon song challenge, a real barn burner, Aaron, the return of the Amigos Patreon band. Um, was Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, the immortal yeah. duet between uh, George Michael and Debbie Harry. Um, this was won by Super Tech Boy 
Frodo and L. Joe Ski Rock. Terry Howard, Bernard Lucas, Blip Blop, Pac Billy, Gary Heather, Andy Craig, TMX Online. Congratulations. Wait I don't know. It might have been Elton John. They look pretty much gonna... the same on the attractiveness. Listen, don't scale. do that to me because so... what a team up that would have been. <laughs> Debbie Harry and George Michael. Holy George stuff. Michael's about 56 years younger than Debbie Harry. So, so? It, would be like, it would be like, uh, you know, I don't know, Justin Bieber visits the Golden Girls. Um, so, Aaron, this week, the Amigos Patreon Song Challenge comes to us from a newly renamed group. We've got a couple different Patreon groups, and to differentiate ourselves, and also to give ourselves a little bit of uh, a little bit of local flavor, we've decided to name the Patreon bands, and uh, this is going to be the debut performance of our new Patreon group. So uh, if you know the answer to this uh, Patreon song challenge, send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com. Please do not answer in the chat if you are live in the chat. It makes it more fun for everyone if you just send me an email and I will announce you as a winner on our next episode. Hit it. Brace yourselves. Here it comes. Mark Richardson, David Kern, Chris Edwards. Remo K, Romo K, David Parrish, and Carlos Matthew Mobius. The Phantom Magnus, Dave Yates, Alistair B. Christian Russell, David C. George Rosensky, The Amiga Show, Daniel Crabtree. Super Fan McKean's Crazy Woman. Heavy Systems Bundy Fragler, Mark Byland, Olaf Hopermski, Jonah A.K. Simulant, Alien Breeder, Dave Velociraptor, Calvert Boy, Lane Denson, Luke Hudson, John Cook, Bomb, the Bass, Frodo and Al, Soul Incisor, Tech Mage, Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zorg Captain Crispy, kill the bites of caffeine. Gary Heather, free lunch day. Fox and David Pickford. Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Bump Striminator, 10 Minute Amiga Retrocast. Bernard Quinn, RMC, Tim Bruce, Simon Rose. Joseph Harrison, Kyle Ed, Rob O'Hara. Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig. Sean Kilon, Alan Kebab, Chicote, Level Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Rigid Rose, Creepy Dead Boys, Big CBC, The Slow Norris, Stephon Sorbet, Warren Mortensen, Evan Helen, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Cole, Lauren Giroux, Graham Vipke, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro, Vincent Gary Tucker, Paul Harrington, Duncan Siles, Tate from the Crab, Josh Mann, Adam Bradley, Jonas Drulo, THG, Eric Nelson, we are now known as the june bugs the june bugs so uh, i want to thank lob sterminator for playing the lead on that of course the inimitable graham w vebke 
who appears courtesy of red symbols. And I'd like to thank myself for being awesome. No. Um, so, Aaron, it's time to recognize all the fine folks that watch us live on Twitch every week and decide to throw us some cash by subscribing to our Twitch channel. Yes, thank uh, you. We had a, a crazy hype train going. I'm not really versed in the in the laws of the hype train, but apparently we were complete at level two. So we thank everybody uh, this evening who has, has contributed to our hype train. Uh, I'd like to have a hype train of my very own one day. Maybe I want one to have day a soul train. Remember that, yeah. show? You already great. have a soul train. That's, That's your true. house, man. Your household is one big soul train. Mm. So, Aaron, let's kick it off right now and just name them all down. Jigglebox, Macintosh Librarian, Doc Crabs, MPG, Mr. Toast, 6502, Orom, Mitsuyama, Uber Scuba Diver, Zezer Zezer Fall, John Marshall, Data Dog UK, Jason Warns, Brock 101, Wishbone, Happy Coding ZX, Memories of a Spectrum Gamer, Paul Kitching, Blue Train, Rob, Flack, O'Hara, Octums, Negsol, Tinfoil, Chronosnet, Demo Scene TV, Rushi, MSX, Blue Jellyfish, Mikea 3000, Frodo NL, Luminato 8, Eeyore 4077, Twilight Zoner, Texas Foosballer, Summer Sausage, Buck Owens, Stormy 7971, Scumboy, Amy Steph, Still Adolescing, Peeplo, Beach Bum 7, Worlds of Rogue, Zadamune, Gary Hucker, Rod CL34, 48K Ram, R Typer, Gary Heather, HSEI Ken, and Great Owl G. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to us on Twitch. Thank you. Now, Aaron, next week, we've got a big, big show. We're going to be playing a game called T-Rex Warrior or Trex Warrior. I'm not sure. I like to think about it as T-Rex Warrior. I hope it's a game about Mark Boland. That would be be awesome. You get on a T-Rex and you you have like a a chicken fight. I would love that. That's not what this is, though, is it? I don't think so. Trex Warrior, that sounds familiar. That may have played that on stream, Boat. Mm, maybe so, maybe so. It was chosen, nominated for uh, voting by Amigos Game Selection Committee member and this weekend retro producer, Duncan Styles. Uh, we thank him for nominating. Of course, we thank the Amigos Game Selection Committee for voting on these awesome games for us every week. Yeah, because we don't know. We have no we idea. We don't know. No. We got nothing. So, we thank you as always for joining us. We will see you again next week. Until then... Adios. Adios.